quick note before we start here. So it was reported Monday afternoon when we recorded this, as we were recording, that Kyrie Irving was in fact going to stay in New York. So I was going to scrap this episode, but now Tuesday morning, we've had a report that Kyrie to LA may not be over. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and put up this episode, as you can assume now by listening to it. Um, There's still some uncertainty about whether these guys are going to be in Brooklyn or not. So um, I'm going to go ahead and put this up and hope you enjoy. All right, welcome back to another episode of Sully Sports Hub. We're going to have our first guest today. Um, This is my friend that I've known for a long time through school. Um, We always uh, like to throw trades back and forth, different NBA offseason ideas. So today we're going to do that on the podcast for y'all. It's Alexander Lucision. Um, Been good friends for a number of years, and um, I'm excited to talk with him on the podcast today. And I'll give a little intro of what we're going to talk about as well here. So recently the Nets have started to crumble. They've started to fall apart. Kyrie Irving is ready to leave. It sounds like Durant is tempted to follow suit as well. So today we're just going to go over um, seven fake trades for these guys um, to try to figure out where they might end up, uh, what what is potentially realistic, what teams may say yes or no to. So um, with that, we'll we'll get going here. Alexander, I'm glad uh, glad you've uh, glad you're on the pod today, and I'll I'll throw it over to you with the first trade. So the first trade we're going to look at is with the Dallas Mavericks, and it would be um, the Mavs getting Kyrie Irving and the the Nets getting Jalen Brunson in a sign and trade, Reggie Bullock, and a couple first round picks. Now, what are your initial thoughts on on that deal? Well, first, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, of course. And uh, initially, looking at the trade, I mean, getting anything back for Kyrie, I think is a good start. Um, Jalen Brunson, you know, started showing his talent in the playoffs, his scoring abilities, playing alongside another guard. Um, and I think just getting first round picks in general is back. Getting back first round picks is just huge for the Nets at this point, you know, with giving away so many to Houston. Um, and I think for the Mavs, getting Kyrie, it's a, uh, would be interesting for sure. But you saw how Jalen Brunson was able to work off of Luca. So, I mean, you have the potential of, Kyrie also working off of Luka that same way. Yeah, and that's what I think you hit on a lot of things that are important. And that's what makes it so difficult if you're Brooklyn is like how much with these guys are you looking for fit versus how much are you just looking for good assets back? Because, you know, if you're trading Kyrie and then also anticipating trading Durant, like do you even want a guy like Jalen Brunson? Like is that even somebody you want to acquire? Or do you just want the picks like you mentioned that end up letting you reset? Like maybe you flip Jalen Brunson to – the Knicks after that or something just to try to acquire more assets. Like I think as we go through these, that's one of the most difficult things to figure out for Brooklyn because like you mentioned, they already gave up so many picks to the Rockets in that deal that they're in a really bad state in terms of their cupboard. They have nothing left there, but it's also not like they have a ton of other surrounding talent. Like they sacrificed a lot of that depth to get Harden and Kyrie in the building. So yeah, the, the philosophy for them is going to be interesting to follow as it goes on. Yeah, with this trade, I think I think it's pretty fair value. I, I If I was Dallas, I would probably resist giving up those first-round picks just because, especially with Kyrie, like I, I just don't know how reliable that he's going to be, um, especially when he's only got one more year left on his player option. So you really have no idea like how when he's going to be there if, if, and when he's even going to show up to work. So, yeah, that that would be, I think, a little bit heavy of a price for Dallas. But if you do anticipate losing Brunson to, like, the Knicks or another team, then 
it might make sense just to give up a first or two for Kyrie. So yeah, that'll be interesting. Like what, what would you think about the price? Like, do you think that's too much for Dallas to give up or, or do you think it's worth it to go get a star? Yeah, I think it's all about the, what the value they think Jalen Brunson is going to be worth in free agency. I think if he's going to raise a high dollar and they don't want to pay him that for a long time, then I think you're fine with, getting Kyrie and taking the, that chance in those two first round picks, you know, they fall later in the lottery or they'll fall later in the first round, most likely with, especially with, you know, you have Luca, you are a successful Western conference team right now. Um, so the value for the Mavericks giving up, you know, Reggie Bullock is kind of just a throw in it's just about Jalen Brunson, those picks. Um, but then I, to your point, I agree. It's like, when is Kyrie going to show up? Are you okay with giving around those first round, giving up those first round picks if Kyrie is going to play for one season, says I'm coming back, and then decides to go elsewhere, you know? So it's just – it's really hard to tell what Kyrie's thinking, which I think makes the value of him so unpredictable because you want to get talent back because you know he's such a talented player. But on the flip side, you don't know what he's going to do. He's just very unpredictable with where he wants to be playing at the time. Um, but value-wise, yeah, like you said, it would be a little bit much for those first-round picks just with the unpredictability of Kyrie. But if we're going to take a swing for the Mavs and you think that you could retain him, just maybe get that one year out of him, have a really good year. Um, I think it's worth it for the Mavericks. You know, you need that one extra player and you have really good surrounding pieces like Jordan Freddie-Smith and um, just like you have good wing guys. So the guard help would be nice if you lose Jalen Brunson. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it would be very interesting to see how they would change as a team because I think especially when Luka was on the bench in the playoffs, the offense was just horrible. And that is something that Kyrie would be able to fix is like when when Luka's sitting, like you just give the ball to Kyrie for those 12 minutes and say like, okay, go go score. Like those are, those are your minutes. Like just do what you can in that time. And I also think it does make a little bit of sense just because the Mavs, like Luca is a big guard, so you could afford to have a smaller guy next to him in the backcourt. So I like it from that standpoint. But to me, Luca would have to improve defensively for them to be to become a legitimate contender in that regard. Because like Kyrie at this point is just not physically like gifted enough defensively, like in terms of length and size, to be able to do that well. Whereas like Luca, if he does like get in better shape and continue to improve on that end, like they might be able to then improve defensively enough. And we know their wing defenders, like you mentioned, are really good. So, yeah, I, I would be interested to see how the defense trended if they did acquire Kyrie. But I, I do think there's some reasons why it could potentially be a fit. But if there's anything that, that the Mavs obviously would love about this is that it definitely raises their playoff ceiling because it just felt like at some points their offense got very stagnant when Luka wasn't hitting his shots. And obviously Kyrie would would help change that. All right, we'll go ahead and move into the next trade. This is going to be our second Kyrie trade and our last Kyrie trade. So because of the fact that Irving has a player option for next year and at the time of recording has already indicated willingness to opt out of his $36 million player option and sign with the Lakers for $6 million, teams really are not going to have as much leverage to or sorry, the Nets are not going to have as much leverage to keep Kyrie as they will with a guy like Durant and so the team's offers are not going to be as competitive. Like you think about the Mavericks, you know, they're willing to give up Jalen Brunson because they're probably going to lose him anyways. Like that, those are the kind of assets that you're going to be taking on in this case. So, you know, I don't even think the Lakers are really going to make an offer. They're just going to say like, hey, go like opt out. Like we'll just sign you anyways. But the other trade we have is with the Clippers. So the Clippers would get Kyrie and the Nets will get Norman Powell, Marcus Morris, Terrence Mann, and multiple second round picks. So this one is a little more 
focused on just getting back some decent players, maybe continuing to have a, a solid roster in Brooklyn. So what are your thoughts on this? And like, how do you think it compares to the Dallas offer if it was there? Yeah, I think they, <clears throat> the difference between the two that we've talked about and the reason I like the Clippers one maybe a little bit more is that if you're keeping Kevin Durant, that I think this Clippers one is a lot more enticing than the other one, mainly because you are getting pieces that can, are going to be helping you right now. We know Marcus Morris has been very, very good in the playoffs. Um, Norman Powell has got an extension for the Clippers, so he'll be locked in for a couple more years. And um, those second-round picks, I mean, they might not be worth a lot of value, and, you know, you can't really get anything from the Clippers because of the, they, the lack of first-round picks that they own for themselves. Um, but I like this one for um, just, like, rotational pieces a lot better because I think all three of these guys would come in to help Durant if Durant stays. But then um, with no Durant, I think this is just salary fillers, and, you know, you're not really getting any – young talent that are going to come in and step up at the absence of Kyrie and KD. Yeah. I think, I think you put it well. Like I think if you're hoping for a KD return, then this is probably the offer to take. Like if you want to build that roster around him, then yeah, I definitely get it. But on the flip side of that, if your interest is just resetting your franchise, then I I would definitely not pursue this route. I, I think you're, you're just acquiring back like okay pieces rather than, good pieces and so maybe maybe you view Norman Powell as better than that you think you can get assets for him but I, I don't think his extension is like a huge value for a team to acquire even though he's a pretty good player but I will say like one thing about the Clippers here is that they've done a pretty good job of get having these like movable contracts and like some of them feel like a little bit of an overpay you know like Luke Kennard or Marcus Morris but like it does allow them to make these moves where they can pile up a few assets and then get to the price that it takes to acquire one of these max guys. So even if it's not Kyrie, I definitely could see the Clippers making another type of move like this, where they consolidate some of those guys, get throw in a couple picks and then go get a, a distressed asset, whether it's Kyrie or somebody else later on down the road. But yeah, from the Nets perspective, I, I definitely think I prefer the first one, but who knows, you know, who knows if that Brunson offers there, maybe Brunson has enough leverage to get himself to the Knicks without, without much trouble. So yeah, it'll be interesting to follow um, the Kyrie Irving saga. I don't know. It could be pretty anticlimactic and he could just end up opting out saying like, I'm going to LA. Although I don't know if that's anticlimactic just because of how fun it would be. But yeah, I guess that's the last thing I'll ask you is like, what are your thoughts if he does go to LA? Like how, what's the ceiling of that team? Um, are, are they the best team in the West or do you think some of like the 80 health issues and Kyrie's availability are still like, do you still view them lower because of that? I think that the, the big three of AD LeBron and um, Kyrie, if Kyrie decides to opt out, like you mentioned um, would be very, very exciting. You know, you got a player who's going to be playing point guard, small forward and basically center, you know, as much as AD doesn't want to play center, you know, you got, Big, your big three positions covered at that point. So, I mean, it's a high ceiling. It's definitely higher than last year. You still have, most likely would still have, you know, Russell Westbrook still running the point guard. So, you know, you use Kyrie Moore as a shooting guard. And, you know, it's just an interesting fit, you know, with Ru Russell Westbrook and Kyrie. That'll be an interesting. I think the ceiling definitely is increased, you know, big shot taker, big shot maker, you know, with Kyrie. Um, but then, like you said, you question AD's health, you question the availability of Kyrie, like he's going to play the entire season. Will he be available the entire playoffs? Um, but I think for the Lakers sake, you know, you, you, you make the playoffs, you, you, or you at least make the play in, you know, they, they made the play in and 
you make the play in and then you, you just see where it goes from there. I think it's just, it's difficult to tell with what they bring back and, you know, with all those, they're all their expiring contracts, but with the, those four guys, I think your ceiling is definitely raised in your playing team at that point. Yeah. I, I just think like that would be such a bailout for them if he ends up coming to them for $6 million, because like going into this off season, when you look at, when you looked at their books at the contracts they had, like it's, it's those three guys, like it's LeBron, AD, Russ, and then basically nothing else, like no other good assets, no mid-level contracts. It's all like almost all guys on the minimum. So this would be such a blessing for them. And I don't know, like I almost wonder if Rush just gets bought out if they if they sign Kyrie, just because like I don't know, like the, I just don't think those guys would be able to play together at all. Like they would get cooked defensively, and it also just seems like the, their roles would be very similar. Like one of them has to have the ball at some point. Like maybe Kyrie can play the two more, but. I don't know. I guess I guess you probably just try to make it work with Russ because you know if you're buying him out, you're just losing him for nothing. But it, it seems like even with how limited Russ's role has already become, it, it seems like it would become that way even more so if Kyrie was was joining that team. All right. Well, yeah, you have three yeah. dominant players with the ball. You know, LeBron, Westbrook, and Kyrie, like you just said. So yeah, it would definitely be a huge coaching adjustment for a first-time head coach to figure out how all three of those guys would be, would be sharing the ball if Kyrie ends up. Yeah, and maybe Kyrie, like, has a change of heart at this point. Like, maybe he's ready to accept a smaller role. But, he, I mean, when he played last year, he was still pretty good. So, yeah, I, I'd be interested to see how that unfolds. All right, we're going to jump into the Durant trades now. These, to me, are the offers that are, like, a little more difficult to put together but also a little more fun to put together because, like, you're basically just putting, like, putting a whole team and just being like, is this worth Kevin Durant? Like, there's some rosters that I looked at up and down. I was like, I don't even think they could give up their whole roster and it would be worth Kevin Durant. So these packages are going to be huge. He still has four years left on his deal. So the Nets, even though, like, they are probably going to end up trading him, like, the asset is valuable enough that the bidding war will be ridiculous. They're going to get a haul back for him, even if it's not worth the full value of Durant. So... The first three that we're going to talk about are a little more focused on, or maybe the first four, are a little more focused on contenders that maybe are exchanging in three or four pieces to try to go get the big star. The other, the last two will be a little more focused on young teams maybe cashing in some of these valuable assets, allowing the Nets to start their rebuild early, and then hopefully speeding up their timeline. So we'll start with some of the more... Um, more currently good teams before we move into the future teams. But the first one is the Atlanta Hawks. So the the trade that I put together is the Hawks just getting Durant and then the the Nets acquiring John Collins, the Hawks new draft pick AJ Griffin, DeAndre Hunter, and Kevin Herter. So who says no in this deal and what what are your thoughts on the realistic possibility of it? You know, if if I'm if I'm the Brooklyn Nets, and I look at this, and I I think it's a, a you know you're getting a lot of younger players. You know, with with losing KD, I think you're losing all your scoring on the current on your current roster. You know, so getting someone back who's a scorer, I think you currently don't have that. I think the return for Kevin Durant, you know, you basically are getting a starting five or starting four. You know for him, which I think as if as a Nets fan is what you want. You know, you got John Collins locked in for five years. Um, Hunter and Herter will be – Herter already got his extension too, and Hunter will be up for an extension as well. So you can retain those guys. I think if you're the 
nets. You want maybe some first round picks, but I mean, it's just going to be hard to convince, you know, an organization to give up every single asset, you know, for a guy like you got to think about the starting lineup with Kevin Durant on the Hawks. I think the Hawks are the team that says no in this, or actually I take that back. It's the nets that say no, because they're not getting somebody back who is going to progress into like uh, an all-star or anything. I think that's the one thing that you're going to kind of want back if you're the Nets, is just one all-star and a bunch of surrounding younger guys. Because, like I said earlier, the future is just so, you know, it's so unpredictable with having no first-round picks. You know, you're just going to have to get young players on the roster at some point. Yeah, and that, that's why it's so hard to predict because, to me, it, I wonder if there's a little bit of Brooklyn's front office just wanting to go back to, like, the simpler time of D'Angelo Russell and all those kind of guys where, you know, they weren't a great team, but it was a team with like good chemistry, some solid young players. And they really sacrificed that to then get this team they have now. And so that I think that's the case for this kind of offer is like, let's just get some young fun talent in here and maybe we'll exceed expectations and see what happens. Um, but yeah, I agree. I, I definitely think that Atlanta would have to throw in a couple picks here to make it even, but I also think it greatly depends on how you view AJ Griffin because all the other guys I think are, you know, maybe maybe you have a higher view of Hunter. Like he's probably a guy with more upside. He's he's been hurt a little bit, so you you might view him as a little bit better or worse player. But Griffin to me is the one where there were very like opinions varied on him a ton around draft time because of the medical questions. And so like if the Nets have a high grade on him, then I could see this trade happening. If they don't and they view him as more of a question mark, I think that definitely hurts the offer. But Durant and Atlanta, I think, would be would be fun. And the the other thing that I sometimes forget that is important with all of these Durant trades is he is 33 years old. So like there are gonna be teams that I think have questions about like how long can we trust this guy to play? Like he hasn't been super healthy over the past couple years. So I think that's also the question is like how much do teams view him as, you know, a top five asset or do they do they view him as a little bit weakened because of the injury history? Because not everybody is going to be LeBron and, you know, still playing at the age of 37 or 38 like that. That's the exception and not the rule. So I'd be interested to see how teams view that as well. But the next trade we'll jump into is with the Boston Celtics. So they would be changing it up a little bit after this year's finals run, but we know, you know, the NBA never stops. Teams are always moving and looking to improve. So this deal would be Kevin Durant for Jalen Brown, Robert Williams, Aaron Neesmith, and Grant Williams. So obviously Jalen Brown is much more of a current star than a future one, um, even though he still is pretty young. So, th- so this deal I think would be more focused on them just trying to remain a pretty solid team, like a playoff team. Um, but you're not getting a ton of young assets. You're not completely restocking your cupboard full of um, future picks. So it would it would have to you know this would be the the flip side of it where you're you're really looking to still compete in the present. You know you still have Ben Simmons on this roster. So you know a team with Ben Simmons and Jalen Brown, Robert Williams, that's probably a pretty good team. So so what are your thoughts on this trade? Um, who says no, and, and is it fair? Yeah, this trade. <clears throat> I mean, here you say it is enticing for me for both sides I mean I think getting a return back of a all-star player Jalen Brown you know just was very very good in the finals um you know came up short but um and then Robert Williams if you're the Nets I think you're drooling over an offer like this in my opinion you know getting back Jalen or Robert uh Williams you know he was pretty phenomenal in the playoffs you know like he was very, very good defensively. You you do get a Aaron Neesmith who's 
really just not been able to get any playing time on on that um, Boston Celtics game. But like if you're the Celtics, you know, you got to think about one reason you're you were in the finals this year is because you have some of the best depth in the NBA. You know, you have so many players on the roster that can play for you. Um, so like giving up an Aaron Neesmith, is it, it could be worth it. Same with Grant Williams. It could be worth it to get Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant's going to him and Tatum would be a, a pretty insane duo to go out there, you know, in, in an almost run the East. I think it'd be very fun. If you're the Celtics, I think you only, the reasons you would say no is because you're going to lose some depth, but then you got to think about bringing KD is KD worth some depth for a championship. You know, that's the big thing in the NBA. You just want to, you want to win a championship. You know, you're going to give up those assets for a championship. Um, but I think this is on a deal that the Nets would say yes to because you're getting back a proven score, a, a, a good um, center. And I think that this is a return. This is one of, this is a better return, in my opinion, than the Hawks. Yeah, I think this one is a pretty strong offer from the Celtics. And honestly, I don't know if. Um, they would be willing to do this. It, it, you know, it does seem like they they like the idea of having a pretty long uh, window for them to compete in. So, like maybe even if that's not in the next two or three years that they get back to the finals, you know, this team could get back to the finals in seven years with the same two stars, Brown and Tatum, and they would still be, you know, in their early thirties. So that that's the question: is like, do you try to max it out in the shorter window, or do you play the long game? But personally, at least it, the way I view it, I think. A lot of times to win a title, you've got to make some moves that are very urgent and, and win now re- type of moves. And so this might be one of those that could push you over the top. And, you know, I I know they just were in the finals, so I would certainly be hesitant to break them up over most offers. But Durant is a guy, I think, where you have to at least consider um, cashing in some of these chips. But the other question for the Celtics to me with this deal is like, what is your answer at center? Like is, is Horford, like, do you think that's a guy that can play for another three years or, you know, is that something you're going to have to pursue next off season after his contracts up? Because, you know, he, he's already not the most nimble out there, even though he's still a very high contributor, especially in the playoffs. So that would be a question for me is like what they do at the center position if they do give up Rob, but you know, that that's kind of on the back burner if you're, if you acquire Kevin Durant. So, all right. Moving into the next trade, I would say this one is pretty similar to the Celtics one. However, it might not have the the star, um, just a little bit more depth of talent. So this next one, and this might be my favorite one in terms of a fit for Durant specifically, would be going to the Phoenix Suns. So just Durant would be going to the Suns, um, and the Suns would be giving back DeAndre Ayton in a sign-in trade, Mikhail Bridges, and Cameron Johnson. So three pretty solid players you know Bridges probably with a little more upside than Johnson um, and then Aiton who's um, been who has struggled a little who struggled a little bit in the playoffs and you know they've had their contract issues but still super young and very talented one of the most skilled young big men in the league this would be another one of those deals where the Nets would be pretty quickly getting back to being at least a decent team even if it's not you know a contender in the Eastern Conference so what do you think about this deal? Yeah, I like this deal a lot if you're the Suns. You know, you, you've had these discussions with DeAndre Ayton, and, and if they're go, starting to go nowhere, I mean, cashing him in, you know, being a – it was the number one pick. Yeah. I, yeah, number one pick. And, you know, cashing him in for Kevin Durant after a disagreement on a contract, I mean, I think that's huge thing to do. I mean, you're only throwing in two more assets. So as good as, good as Mikael Bridges is and Cameron Johnson is, I mean – their ceilings 
aren't as high, you know, as Aiton. So you're throwing in two guys who are just really, really good wing defenders, can shoot the three ball really well. I mean, Mikel Bridges was um, one of the best defenders in the entire league this year. So you're getting that talent back. Um, and if you're the Nets, like KD wants out, you can send him to a place where he's going to be playing with Booker, Chris Paul. Uh, they're still going to find a way to be – I mean, that's a fantastic big three there, and it would be a good return for the Nets as well. Yeah, I think if I'm the Nets, I'm pushing for Aiton and Booker, but I don't think Phoenix will do that because, one, I think Phoenix does have a very high view of Booker and in the same way might not want to cash in those chips to go make a couple-year run here. Like I think they see their run with Booker being a lot longer, but I do think it's worth considering – purely just because I I do think that that team has a chance to win a title, even if it's just Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, and all those wing defenders. But obviously you'd rather keep Booker, have that big three of Chris Paul, Booker, and eight Booker and Durant. But I, I will say I like this for Phoenix as well because and we talked about this earlier today, just messaging back and forth. Like, Chris Paul is not getting younger. Like he probably has maybe two years left of playing at a decent level. And so if you're the Suns, like, yes, Booker is young, but you know, Aiton is probably out the door. And after that, you know, Bridges is good. Johnson's good. They have other good players, but not guys that are going to be complete difference makers for your roster. So like to me, the timeline for Phoenix is sooner than it might indicate just because Chris Paul is like, he's not going to be around for that much longer. So I like the idea of Phoenix making a win now move, but to me, especially compared to some of the other offers we've had here, like I, I just don't think I'm taking Aiton Bridges and Johnson over like Jalen Brown, Robert Williams, Grant Williams. Like to me, I think I'd rather have the Jalen Brown where I know like he's not a great player, he's not a superstar, but he's one of the best, you know, 30, 35 players in the league, and that and that's pretty valuable in itself. Yeah, and I was gonna touch on that point. I mean, you're not getting a high volume score or someone who's I guess you could say more proven isn't a Jalen Brown, but I think this is the most realistic one we've looked at so far, you know, with just, just John Dre not knowing what you're doing. And then to your point, you know, the age of Chris Paul, I mean, you got to think about when you're going to lose him as an asset. And, and, and then you got to think about Booker. I mean, Booker, like you said, has many years left in the tank, many, many years left in the tank to be the best shooting guard, one of the best shooting guards of the league, but you have Chris Paul getting older. Um, and I think, if you want to win now, I mean, you had that great finals run with all those wing defenders and you just couldn't push it over the edge. And Kevin Durant's going to push it over the edge. And, and, and only losing three of your players in a deal like this, I think, is huge, especially with, you know, DeAndre not performing as well in the playoffs and then Bridges and Cameron Johnson. I mean, unfortunately to say those are replaceable players, you know, you can get another 3 and D guy who can, who can defend, shoot three, like that kind of mold of a player are more replaceable than a Kevin Durant and it's the potential of having Kevin Durant is greater than keeping those players in my opinion so I think that this is the most realistic one in my eyes so far and and for both sides I think I would do this yeah and a couple notes here like I definitely think Phoenix would probably have to toss in a couple picks to make this happen and the good news for them is they do have all of their future picks available like they have not moved any of those and they don't they don't have any extra picks you know they're not like you know, OKC or Memphis where they've stockpiled a ton of other teams' picks, but they would have the flexibility to cash in, you know, two, three, maybe even four of those first-round picks if they really wanted to make this happen. So they would have that flexibility there if they, you know, maybe even they want to keep Cameron Johnson, but they want to toss in a couple first-round picks. Like, they, they would have a little bit of flexibility to to try to make that happen. Um, 
compared to some other teams who who may have already used some of those assets to to go after another guy. The other thing that I wanted to mention really quick, and then we'll move into the next trade, is I, this is probably a situation out of all of them so far that I could see Durant demanding a trade to. Whether that works or not, you know, we'll see. He's got four years left on his contract. That's not a ton of leverage, but you know, he, he's always been a fan of Booker. Like as soon as Booker was a rookie, Durant was talking him up, saying like, "Oh, this guy's going to be a star." I think most players, you know, they respect Chris Paul as well. So I, I could see this being a team that he would want to be a part of, you know, especially they don't have that star wing already. So he's not going to be coming in and taking somebody else's spot or anything like that. Like he'll fit right in with this team. So he, he's been a fan of playing high level basketball. You know, that's why he went to Golden State. Like when I think about that, Phoenix is one of the first teams I think of. So I think like philosophy, culture wise, like he would really like to be a part of this team. Um, but we'll see if they the the Suns even want to give an offer to make that happen. So, all right, moving into the next trade, and this one we're starting to enter more of the the young players territory here. Although this one is still kind of in between. Um, this one be with the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, obviously, they would they would be acquiring Kevin Durant. The Nets would then be getting back in this fake trade: Jaron Jackson Jr., Dylan Brooks, Zaire Williams, and then Danny Green's basically just his contract, this cap filler. And this one, I think, would certainly have picks attached to it as well. Um, Memphis, you know, is one of those teams that has stockpiled assets, has the ability to make these moves looking towards the future. So this, to me, would indicate that Memphis wants to really accelerate their timeline and, and make sure they acquire another star rather than hoping in the next couple years that somebody else comes along and is ready to, you know, play at Jaws level. So I, I personally like this deal for Memphis. I think they would be a, an electric team to watch. Um, and if you're the Nets, you are getting back Jaron Jackson Jr. And if you're a believer in Zaire Williams, then then maybe you view this package really highly. So what are your thoughts on this deal as a whole? Yeah, I like this one. I mean, this one, including picks, is is enticing. You know, Jaron Jackson's only 22, which is crazy to say. I mean, he was, he, you know, he has stayed off out of trouble, stay on the court. But he's he's been a, a really good defender. He can score the ball really well. I think the return for Kevin Durant is, is nice. I mean, you know, like you said, you gotta you're banking in on Zaire Williams, you know, developing into a in a young talent, and um, but then on for the Grizzlies, you know, you're looking at a a, a relatively young team with draw, and you're like you said, you're just you're just speeding up that timeline. You know, that was very very good this year, um, and then adding Kevin Durant to a side takes the pressure off of him, spaces your floor more. I mean, it's gonna hurt losing the defender, the the defending of Jaron Jackson Jr. and Jalen Brooks. I mean, they took a lot of assignments there in the playoffs. You're going to have to figure out a way to replace those. I mean, you're sliding Stephen Adams to that starting center position, um, which will be funky, you know, because they prefer Jaron Jackson to be there until he, you know, was in foul trouble. Um, but for the Nets, you know, the return is good. I think that the Nets, you're definitely going to want a bunch of picks because you don't know what Xavier Williams is going to be. So you're basically getting back Jaron Jackson Jr. and some salary filler. Um you're going to want to take a reset and not just go straight back into the playoffs. Um, but I think this is realistic if you're the Grizzlies. You know, you have those extra picks, like you mentioned. Um, and this is a team that you're not going to get many free agents. So you might as well swing for the fences at some point, you know, or you're just banking on your, your draft picks hitting. Yeah, and this is this might be like the Thunder fan in me talking where I'm like such a believer in making sure that you have enough assets before you hit the, the go button. But – I'm not sure Memphis has enough young assets right now to where I feel confident that the roster as currently constructed is good enough to win a title. 
So like I I would encourage them to take the swing on Durant because you know just like I'll, I'll use the Thunder as an example because I'm more familiar with them. Like I didn't want them to start trading for good players this year because I didn't feel like the roster they already had currently constructed was good enough to to start doing that. But with Memphis, I think if you add a, st- a superstar the depth is already there. Like they have 12 guys that could play it on any NBA roster, like play big minutes. You know, we saw that even this year by them using the 23rd pick with DeAnthony Melton to, to acquire the 23rd pick and then get David Roddy. You know, they, they're willing to, you know, continue to try to hit the reset button on some of these guys because they have so many good depth pieces. So to me, like this is one of those teams where you're going to have to do some consolidation trades at some point anyways, because you have so much talent. So if you can make that happen now, and acquire a superstar, like that's something I would strongly consider. And then especially like you mentioned earlier, I mean, Kevin Durant's on your roster for five more years, you know? So there's going to be, I mean, obviously his talent will decrease as he gets older, but I mean, time's now the next two years for them. And like you said, consolidating picks is going to be crucial. I mean, you're getting rid of a D'Anthony Mountain so you don't have to re-sign him, for instance, or like the following year, you know, because you just can't keep all these guys on your roster. I think you're right. Swinging for the fences would be huge for this deal. You're still getting back through the nets. You're still getting back assets that you like. You might not be in love with, but Jaron Jackson Jr. being that main centerpiece is something that I would be more inclined to hear versus something, someone mid or someone a little bit older who's has hit their peak. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, Jaron Jackson is one of those guys like I, I'm really high on him like I going into the year last year I like picked him to be most improved player. So like I I like him a lot but the, the question with me is like you already mentioned it like can he stay on the court because if he can like I love his skill set like I think he's super talented he he's a big man that's super athletic that can play around the rim but also can shoot threes like that's very rare to have in this modern game but you definitely have to be confident enough in like the other little parts of his game that you can rely on him as one of your best players. Cause right now for Memphis, it feels like they want him to be one of their best players, but he hasn't fully gotten to that point yet. So yeah, that would be the big question with me in this deal for, for the Nets is like, how do you view Jaron Jackson Jr.? And then also, you know, what, what's the upside you see on Zaire Williams? All right. This next trade I had to throw in here just because we do have a Magic fan on the podcast today. So I had to throw a Magic offer in there. And you can, you know, you can also use this just to talk about like their organizational philosophy and like kind of where you think they're at in their timeline anyways now, like big picture as well as addressing the trade that I just made up. But yeah, this this deal for the Magic would be getting Kevin Durant, um, obviously accelerating the timeline a ton and, and exchanging in um, Jonathan Isaac, Paolo Bencaro and Jalen Suggs. So what, how do you view this deal for the magic? Like, do you think this is something they would consider at this point or are they pretty committed to trying to build around this young core? Yeah. So recently I've, you know, I like to listen to a lot of things, especially about the new draft picks. And I listened to a um, podcast that um, John Weltman was on our um, basketball head of basketball operations. And he was just talking about how much, he is in love with Paulo and the direction of the team. You know, he likes the timeline. He doesn't make any big decisions, but like a trade like this is just crazy to think. I mean, <clears throat> the the hesitation as a Magic fan looking at this Kevin Durant trade is our main proven players are Markel Fultz. Jonathan Isaac is, was proven when he was playing. You know, he's been hurt for two years, basically. So it's hard to know what he's going to come back and be. Um so you're putting Kevin Durant with a bunch of our young assets, you know, um, like the number one 
I didn't mean to say Markel Fultz. I meant to say Paulo. I think I messed that up. But um, just, you know, getting rid of those young guys is going to be crazy. You know, if I'm as a Magic fan, like like I said earlier with the eight and thing, you know, trading the number one overall pick for Kevin Durant's going to be crazy. I would love it as a Magic fan because, you know, I, I live near Orlando right now. So I can go see Kevin Durant play any night of the week I want to, which would be awesome. But like, as a competing level, I don't know that within the five years of his contract that if we're going to be competing for a championship with the talent that we currently have, um, which makes me not want to give up on the potential of Paulo being amazing or Suggs being amazing. You know, Jonathan Isaac, you is a guy that is expendable on our team. But, you know, and we also have first round picks. We could throw in a deal like this to entice the Nets. If we if we want to do that, we own the Bulls pick for the next year. Um, we have our own pick for a couple for, I think, we have for the next five or six years, we have our own pick. Um, so I like the direction of our team. You know, it just it just depends if we think that the current core we have, losing Paulo and Suggs, is going to be enough to make us compete for a championship. Because I think that's the big thing for us is we want to just develop until we think we have a competent rush, like you mentioned before. You know, just like OKC, okay, you don't want to move guys or get guys on your team if you don't think you're your the rest of your surrounding pieces are are there yet yeah i think that's where i would lean here as well is just that like i don't know you know if i'm trading for durant i've got to be really confident that the roster around him is good enough to go try to win a title and i don't know if they're at that point just yet so i think i agree with you there i do think that the offer that they could make with like suggs paolo and isaac like which i also view suggs very highly like i still think he's going to be really good but I think if you're looking to go young, like I think that offer might be better than any of the other offers that we've talked about so far. So like, yeah, from the Magic perspective, I'm not sure they would do it just because of their timeline. And like, I would be the same way talking about OKC, you know, like even though, you know, like Durant is obviously better than like probably Shea and Chet combined, I would still be like hesitant to give that up just because I'm, I'm not sure if that roster otherwise is going to be good enough to go win a title. So yeah, I I think you're right. I think you're right about that. And it would obviously be super fun, but yeah, probably a couple years down the road for them. Uh, all right. So now we'll move into the last deal. And this is a team which would also be giving up a young asset, but is a little bit more in win now mode currently. That would be the New Orleans Pelicans. They would be acquiring Kevin Durant and then um, also Dayron Sharp, who I just threw in as a salary filler add in and also a big man here. And you'll find out why I did that soon. And that's because going back to the Brooklyn Nets, I have. Jonas Valanciunas, Zion Williamson, and Larry Nance Jr. Um, there will probably be a pick or two thrown in there from the from the Pelican side as well. But to me, this one comes down to what you view Zion as being. Because if you think Zion is going to come back and be fully healthy, then I really like this deal for the Nets. Because I'm not sure there's a singular asset at their peak on this list that is more valuable than Zion Williamson. You know, he was averaging... 27 points a game on 60% shooting as like a 20 year old in the NBA. Like that, that's just completely unheard of. Like it never happens regardless of your age. It never happens unless you're like Shaquille O'Neal. And so if you believe he can get back to his athletic peak, then this to me is like a great offer. And I also really like it for new Orleans just because CJ is a little older, you know, like that, that kind of sped your timeline up a little bit. And, you know, you also get many Brandon, like many KD and Brandon Ingram over there in New Orleans. So you get to unite those guys. Um, I, it seems like New Orleans is pretty committed to Zion at this point and, and they want to make it work. You know, David Griffin has made that pretty clear recently, but this move would be really interesting and would allow them to get rid of some of that injury risk. So what are your thoughts on uh, 
the Pelicans moving Zion in general? And like, would you do this deal um, from both sides if, if you were the general manager of these teams? Yeah, the Zion deal is crazy, you know, because that is a guy, like you said, averaging 26 points or 27 points as a 20-year-old in the NBA. I mean, that's pretty insane. But then, like you said, <clears throat> CJ McCollum's getting older, you know. You have Brandon Ingram there. You have facilitators. You have Devontae Graham under contract there. You have Herb Jones. I mean, you have a good surrounding core of pieces for the Pelicans, you know. So it's just, you know, no play, no play games for Zion, you know, hurt your roster. You probably can go a lot farther in the playoffs with him on your roster. You should just replace him with KD. Um, and you have really good surrounding pieces. You know, if I'm if I'm the Nets or if, yeah, if I'm the Nets, I am like a, like very in love with this, getting Zion, you know. You, you, you dealt with those foot injuries, but you're kind of just going to – I think that the what you've seen before for him in the NBA and what he's going to come back to do for you is huge and a fantastic return for Kevin Durant. Um, uh, but then, you know, on the Pelican side, you're getting a go-to score. You have really good surrounding defenders, um, and you, like, you just excel, excel, excel. I think that's what – a big theme for a lot of these trades are, you know, you're excelling your timeline. You're throwing Kevin Durant, a guy who's going to pretty much propel you to one of your top seeds in your respective conference. So, like, you're Pelicans. You're going a lot farther in the playoffs. You're uh, you're making a big move for to win that championship now. Yeah, and the other thing I like about this deal for the Pelicans is I really don't feel like they're out of depth after this. Like, I still think – like, I think Dyson Daniels will be able to play – pretty early on just because he's a really good passer, really good defender. Like obviously you already mentioned Herb Jones. Like I think they would have a little bit of a void to fill at the big man role. Like maybe, I don't know if Jackson Hayes is like ready to fully take that on or anything, but you know, that's, you're going to sacrifice a little bit of depth somewhere. I think I would rather keep those wings around and then just figure out a big man to go get later on than do it the other way around if I was the Pelicans, but yeah, that's, that's one of those rosters where I do think like, and, and for Zion as well, like if Zion comes back in as a star, like I, I think the Pelicans could be really good next year because that team gave Phoenix a pretty tough series in round one. And that was without their best player. So yeah, that they'll be interesting to follow over the next couple years. And so I guess that was, that was the last trade I have. So I'll put you on the spot here a little bit as we wrap up, which of those trades do you think is the most fair and then which of them do you think is the most realistic and i'll i'll respond back with mine as well after we uh, after you give yours yeah the the most the most realist or i'll start with fair you know the most fair one i see is the boston celtics one um through my eyes you know uh jalen brown you know he has proven what he can do in the league and, and his ceiling it might not be much higher than what it currently is but you're you're staying in a consist in a, in a position now. If you're the Nets, where you can still compete and not you're not just done after losing your two star players. You know, with having Rob Williams, Aaron Neesmith, you're getting younger guys in your roster. Like you said, you still have Ben Simmons. If you're the Nets, um, you maybe bring back Claxton. We don't know about that yet, but you you have a better roster. I think that's my favorite. If you're the Nets, <clears throat> the or the most fair if you're the Nets um realistic I just the Suns one is just hard to look over you know with the Aiton issues with the contracts and stuff I mean it doesn't seem like he wants to be back um and for Kevin Durant being fair for him as well you know that's a place where he's gonna immediately go they're a win now they were just in the Western Conference Finals this last year um 
that's a huge, huge leap for them. And, and you're just giving up a guy who you're arguing about giving him a, up a max contract to. Um, so those are those would be my. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you there first on the most realistic one because that's that would also be mine. I think Phoenix and I, I listed a lot of the reasons earlier, so I won't go fully into those again. Like just the connection that Durant has with Booker, the overall basketball philosophy. Like I think those things would draw him to Phoenix. I think Phoenix's timeline is a lot more realistic than some of these other teams as well. So yeah, that's I would agree with you there for most realistic and most fair. I honestly do think it's the Magic offer purely because of like the the young talent at that point, like if Suggs and Paolo turn into all-stars and like that actually probably is pretty fair value for a Durant and aging into his later career. Obviously I don't think that's realistic. Like I don't think that's something the magic are going to be looking to do, but to me, like that is the most blue chip young assets that I can acquire. And so if that was Brooklyn's philosophy at that point, like I think that type of offer, even if it's not from the magic would be pretty fair and something that they would need to heavily consider. So I think that would be my most fair, even though I definitely acknowledge that it's not realistic whatsoever. And Phoenix, to me, definitely um, takes takes the crown on that one. But all right, I think that concludes us for today's episode. So um, just want to say a quick thank you, Alexander, for coming on today. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, and maybe maybe with some more NBA offseason news down the road, we can we can have you on again sometime in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on today. Yep. Thanks. And thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back sometime soon. I'll probably put this out before the draft episode I've already recorded. So stay tuned for a little bit of a draft recap coming soon. Um, Thanks for listening and have a good day.